this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. the podcast dedicated to creativity and sticking creativity in the ground and digging around in the ground with our fingers and looking for seeds and sprouts and anything that'll grow so that we can make trees and vines and take over the planet with creativity. Yes, we are audacious today. I have a little bit of energy. My name is Chad Hall, and with me as always is Lam Wen. Hello, everybody. Good timing, too. I feel pretty punchy today, too, so it's, it's nice that we're both on the same energy level. It's always good to be in sync. Did you like my uh, pronunciation there? I'm focusing on hard K's and T's. Yeah, it almost reminds me of uh, the, the Heath Ledger Joker from um, The Dark Knight where he has this, this the end of every syllable. He kind of spaces it out and airs it out a little bit. Um, and it was unintentional, I think, from what I remember hearing about uh, the way he crafted that character, but he always had that ah at the end of almost every hard syllable. It also reminds me of Cupid, that song Cupid. Cupid, draw back your bow. Every, every single letter is pronounced and enunciated. You're not going to hear a lot of that today. I talk sloppy. I'm just going to tell you guys now, if you're new to the show. <laughs> what song is that? I don't know that song at all. You don't know that song? That's Sam Cooke. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Never mind. You have to know that song. It sounded it sounded a little loungy when you sang it, so I wasn't... It, I, now I know what you're talking about. Never mind. There's probably some somebody in... A country that we've never heard of listening right now that knows that song. That's how far that song reaches. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. In case you guys are just tuning in for the first time or you are completely confused as to where we are in the order of episodes that we're doing, there's a reason for that. It's because we bounce around now. We're not going to be rigid anymore, but last episode was technically a, a tools and techniques episode. So this episode is going to be what we refer to as the inspiration episode. I'm actually going to change that a little bit. 
I want to kind of, I don't know how that's going to change the dynamic of the show, but I want to refer to this as the inspiration and ideas episode. I just mm. like the sound of that better. Yeah, it seems like all of our other episodes kind of have two syllable names. So it kind of makes sense. And we'll figure out how that works out in the long run. I, sure. I think maybe it'll bring a different dynamic into this. But usually what we do on the inspiration end of this is Lamb and I bring in a quote of some sort that has been inspiring us or in the last month or so, or maybe a quote that has just inspired us from some time in our life, depending on how that month is going. Sometimes you don't have those quotes <laughs> that yeah. sometimes they don't surface to the, yeah, I've, I've noticed that I, I assume that there would always be one just waiting on the surface, but sometimes you have to, to dig like for today's episode, I had to go find one because I didn't really have one on the top of my head. Uh, it's funny. I have the opposite. I have the opposite problem. I've had mine since we did the last inspiration episode, and I've just been waiting for it. <laughs> There's always a good balance in 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 our dynamic. I think. Yeah, I hear you. Well, uh, actually, you know what? I wanted to talk to the audience about something real quick before we jump into the episode, and think it sure. fits into the thematics of this episode. The way that uh, when I, when I and I'm, I'm going to see what your feedback is on this lamb too. But when I think about everybody out there, I think about um, I know that there's a lot of creative people out there that are doing creative things, but I also know that a lot of our listeners are maybe creative but not actually making anything because they feel like they don't have time. Or uh, we've we've gone through this this list of um, reasons before time or uh, inspiration, things like that. And I also think that there's people out there that um, this is a phrase that I hear a lot. I don't have a creative bone in my body. And I think maybe mm -hmm. some of those people are listening to that show too. And I think, or this show. And if you're listening to this show and you say you don't have a creative bone in your body, yeah, I think that you're kind of fibbing because why would you listen to a show about creativity? Huh? There's a question. Mm, so, uh... so what I see is I see that regardless of which of those groups that you're in, you you have creativity of some sort, or you have interesting creativity, or you're fascinated by creativity, and you have everybody has the capability of creating things. And maybe you guys aren't living up to the full potential of that. Even those of you who are living fully creative lives, maybe you're not living up to the full potential of that. I know that I'm not. I try to, but I'm not doing it every day. Um, so what I, what I also see is that the foreseeable future of this situation is people not expressing themselves fully, people not living the life that they, that they really want, that they're not feeling that inspiration and they're not uh, contributing, feel like they're contributing something um, that makes them happy is that the situation of the world with uh, hate and xenophobia and all these things, those things grow from that lack of expression, that feeling that you are marginalized, right? Because that's, that's what marginalized usually. People who feel marginalized feel like their voice isn't heard. Um, and the foreseeable future is that things will get worse. And to me, and I know that Lamb and I have talked about this personally and maybe even on, on this podcast before, but... To me, creativity is is the way to cure that. Is it's the way to, you know, in some small way, even if it's just um, 
like Lamb said in the last episode, even if you're just making popsicle stick sculptures for fun, you know, or something like that, that, you know, uh, you're helping uh, your kids learn how to draw. That's expressing some sort of creativity. And that, that expression, it changes the dynamic between you and the world and, and vice versa. And I've mentioned this before, but it makes you vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable in a powerful way, in, in a way that uh, vulnerability, we learn, is strength. And it makes you open. And you can look at things with a different mindset. So we really believe, and it is in the description of what this podcast is, that creativity can change the world. Even small forms of creativity that maybe people who are practicing them think are insignificant. They're not. Because you make something and then somebody else sees that you're making something or that you're doodling or whatever. And they remember that they, they used to like to draw when they were in class. And, you know, they're never going to show the stuff that they're making to anybody maybe, but they want to do it. You know, and, and all of that, it begins to change the way that the world mm -hmm. functions. So part of that is not just us here preaching to you guys, telling you things and, uh, and bringing you information. Part of that and the main part of what we want to do here is to inspire you guys to actually begin creating. And we haven't focused on that much. So far, we've only focused on the ideation of the whole thing. I want to change that. I want to give you guys a place to take action. And it's a very simple thing. It's not complicated. And there's no responsibility in, in the sense that you don't have to do it. But what I want to do is I want to, every month, I want to hopefully generate it from the audience, have an idea, an idea of a subject matter. Um, and then I would like to see people create art and send us pictures, whether it is a drawing, whether it is a photography project based on that, whether it is a popsicle stick sculpture, whether it is uh, a piece of pottery, you know, whatever you are, whatever creative area you're in, maybe, I mean, maybe you are a coder and you want to make a, some sort of program that in some way expresses that. Um, I don't know. That's, that's the beauty of creativity. I, I'm excited to see what you guys will get back to us. So... What we're going to do is we're going to do that every month. Right now, we're starting a little late in the month, so this first one will be, we'll call it a little rough run. It'll just be a, until the end of uh, this month. And in line, I, since you guys haven't had the warning, I'm going to pick the subject this month. And I, I was thinking uh, of our one of our subjects, I think our second subject of the show, David Lynch. And in some of David Lynch's movies, there are people that could be described as mutants. So, for this month, the subject matter is mutants, mutation, or anything along those lines. However you want to interpret that. You want to abstractly interpret that. You want to interpret that by drawing me Ninja Turtles, or us <laughs> Ninja Turtles. Not, I don't know. That's up to you guys. But, create your art. Send it to us however you want to send it to us. If you want to send it to us via Instagram, make sure you tag us at Random Badass Rate. You want to send it to us via Twitter at Random Badass Rate. Both. Only one word. No space between those two words. You want to email it to us. You can email it to us at info at Random Badass Rate. If you want to put it on our website at fireside, uh, FM, you can leave it as a comment on one of the episodes um, I, I'm pretty sure it allows you to add images. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. 
I don't obviously leave comments on our on our <laughs> on our blog very often. Um, we also have the subreddit, which the link for the subreddit is always in the descriptions of these episodes. Um, technically, we still have a Facebook page. Lamb, do you get notifications if they send you something on Facebook? Yep, I do. Okay, so if you want to send it via uh, Facebook, I believe it is facebook.com forward slash random badassery. Is that you correct? Can also leave it, uh, yeah, you can also leave it on our Instagram too um, or tag us in something on Instagram or send us a direct message on Instagram with the image itself. Um, there's literally a billion ways to send us stuff um, pretty easily and quickly. So um, any one of those those mediums will be will be easily accessible and we check them all the time. So we'll be able to see it right away. And the challenge here is not just for you guys to create something, by the way. The, I'm, I'm looking at you guys to, to be leaders in, in this project because uh, I, I believe this is important. And what I mean by I'm looking for you guys to be leaders in this is I'm looking for you guys that are listening to make this successful, which means not just making these things but finding people to also contribute. Maybe people who don't listen to the show but are great artists that you know. Maybe people that you want or that you think need to start making art, enroll them into this. Bring them into this. As every one of you that listens, especially those of you we've spoke to before, that we've had comments before, I'm looking at you guys and, and asking you to grow this. Now, there is no prize. This is not a contest. This is a challenge. It is a challenge uh, like the other challenges we've done, a challenge to for us all to grow. And the purpose of this is just to start exercising that creative muscle. And it doesn't, uh, we're not going to make any money off of anything you guys are doing. We are not going to uh, benefit in any way from what you guys are doing other than the satisfaction of knowing that you guys are creating things. So this contest, making it successful, is for you. So the responsibility of that also lies on you. There's only so much we can do. We can come on here and remind you of it every time, which we will. And we can support you. But you guys need to enroll people and get this really, get this thing really rolling. Let's let's make this fun. Let's make this something that we look forward to. And everything you guys send us, we're going to put up on our Instagram so everybody can see what everybody else is doing. And we're not going to, there's going to be no criticism of what people put up. We're only here to support each other. So if anybody says something that is cruel under somebody else's artwork, Sorry, this isn't uh, this isn't a democracy. I'm going to delete it because I don't want anybody being a jerk, and that's that's just the way it's going to be. Or more likely, Lamb will delete it because he sees that stuff way faster than I do. So that's that's where I wanted to start today. So there's an idea and an inspiration. So let's kick this thing in the butt. And when you tag us, uh, I almost forgot. In some way, you know, you're going to title your image, whatever you want to title it, but just make sure for this one you include the word mutant or mutation so that next month uh, we would use a different word. And also for uh, anyone who's doing that on Instagram or Twitter, um, please make sure you hashtag either random badassery or tag us directly. Um, I check the hashtag once a day and I check our, our tags, all, you know, tag in images all the time. So please make sure you do that as well. Yeah, you don't want us to miss it because, you know, we're not following you guys. We don't – most of you guys, we don't even know who you are yet. Hopefully that's going to change with this. Uh, I just want you guys to start really exercising that muscle. And, and Lamb and I are also um, – I th- I, well, I can't say for Lamb. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, take part in the challenge myself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, whether whether it be photography, drawing, whatever, who knows? Maybe a little ditty on the guitar. We'll see what happens. Let's have fun with this, and let's really let's start being a community, guys. You know, let's stop being invisible, stop being silent, because that silence is it's deafening. Uh, anything you want to say on that before we jump into the episode or the planned part of the episode? <laughs> um, that's a pretty hard detour from where. Um I had something I had something similar ish um, because I, I what I really wanted to address to a certain extent was people who think that they're not creative uh, you know I, I the, the, the statement that you you made earlier really hits home for what I was going to talk about um, the whole you know I don't have a creative bone in my body well um, at least for me and I think we'll cover this later in the episode as we get to um, we get to the the meat of the episode. Um, it's not necessarily about being creative. It's about being brave. So I will, I'll leave that as the teaser and then we'll roll into it as we get there. All right. So you guys heard it here. This is the first time we've mentioned it. It's actually, I'll let you in on a little secret. That's the first time Lamb's heard it too, because I just surprised him (laughs) with that. Um, Lamb, since I've been babbling for, well, hopefully not babbling, hopefully I've been talking with a purpose, would you like to start with your quote um, or wherever you'd like to start? Wow, this is a tough one because it's a speech. Um, so I'm not sure if, I, if it makes any real sense for me to read the entire speech. Um, and, and it's one of those tough speeches where... where like How long is the whole thing? Uh, I mean, it's, it's like four and a half, maybe five minutes. Um, oh, yeah, that's a very long one. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely not short. So I don't know what makes the most sense here. Um, well, let me let me just roll into let me just roll into what it means to me, and then we, I guess we'll go from there. Um, the final speech from the Great Dictator, which is a fantastic movie by Charlie Chaplin, it's one of the movies in which there is sound and speaking, um, and is one of the it, it's it's a parody of of and, and a satire of. Um, German World War Two Germany and Hitler. Um, so it's it's the there's there's an amazing there's an amazing speech at the end of the movie that I like to listen to about once a year because uh, one of the the one thing I really respect about Charlie Chaplin um, is how simple and clear his messages are in in almost every respect. Like if you ever listen to any of the songs he's ever written, if you ever watch any of the movies um that he's he's directed or or been in, he's he's very straightforward um in his in his delivery in his speech and he's very very simple in his language when it comes to describing the things that he really wants to get across. Um and that's kind of the the where this inspiration is going for me. So so what do you think what do you think I should do here? That's tough. I mean, and if we were if we were Radio Lab, I'd probably just start playing samples and <laughs> right in here. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. I urge you all, even if you think that Charlie Chaplin sounds like something you never want to watch, to go watch that movie. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. This speech and this movie in particular plays a significantly important role in the novel that I'm writing. Um, the character is named after Charlie Chaplin. That's why I always refer to him as Charlie. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. 
the way of life can be free and beautiful. Even if you don't watch this movie, go on to YouTube and find this. There is one really good production of this, I shouldn't say production, but uh, perhaps a remix of this speech that is done with the music from Inception behind it and shows the current political, um, you know, like clips of what's going on, you know, natural disasters and riots and things like that from the modern world and puts it into the context of what he's saying here. But we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. It is, in my opinion, the most powerful thing that I've ever read in my life. Um, or heard, I should say. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's more, yeah, I was going to say it was, it's more powerful because even in reading it, like there's, there's, um, it's, it's a great speech still, don't get me wrong, but there's, there's something to be said about Charlie Chaplin's delivery of it that gives it its power, um, and its punch. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. It goes along with what I've been thinking a lot lately in my own life. Um, you know, Because we're not paying attention to those things. You know, we're, we're, It's not that we're not paying attention to what's in front of us other than the phone. You know, If somebody's there, we know a person's there. If a car's there, obviously we know that a car's there. But we're missing all the peripherals. We're missing what – look at that chair next to us as a broken foot. Um, look at that person over there. Uh, or example, for example, when I was on my plane uh, yesterday, I didn't have my headphones in at first, and there was a little girl behind me uh, on the window seat, and I just heard like this little voice, and then there's an old man sitting next to her, and I guess this this kind of blows me away, but I don't want to digress too much into this, but it was a six-year-old or a six-and-a-half-year-old traveling by herself. Whoa. I have no idea. No idea why you would ever send a six-year-old on a plane by herself. Jeez. Whoever those people are that are her parents, you guys are insane. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. But anyways, this she was this poor little girl is scared. We're about to take off, and this old man next to her doesn't know her at all, and ended up kind of babysitting this girl for basically the the two and a half or two hour length of our flight. <clears throat> but. I didn't have my headphones in. So the peripheral of life was hearing this. I, you know, nobody told me this, what was going on. I heard this little girl telling her story to this man. And it was fascinating because these are things that you would miss out on. And from the perspective of a human being, and that's, you know, I got to experience this man being an amazing human being, taking care of a child that he has zero responsibility for as a writer. I could have probably picked up like three or four ideas right there for stories. You know, he talked about how when we were taking off and the flight was jumpy, um, he talked about how planes are very safe. You know, the thing we always tell each other that it's you're more danger on the freeway than you are in a plane because car accidents are more common. But then he kind of went a little bit further. He's like, I used to jump out of airplanes when I was a younger man and started kind of telling her about how. You know, he said two times I landed in sand and one time I landed on. I don't remember what what he, I think it was just dirt. 
But like these little things, these are things that you you miss out on when we're in our phone too much. Um, I'm not I'm not anti technology because we're going to talk about apps in this episode, and we're going to talk about technology in this episode. We always talk about this stuff. But you're absolutely right that just that little difference of doing something in a notebook or having a notebook with you to do certain things, you know, just write down ideas and maybe you dump those into your phone at the end of the night instead of throwing them in your phone all throughout the day, it can change your experience of life. It really can. Uh, So I'm going to echo what Lamb said and try just keeping your phone in your pocket just a little bit longer than you normally would. And as a, and as a creative person, it's, it's hard to, to really gauge the effectiveness or the, 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 um, the extra experiences that those give you that allow you more perspectives than you would have had otherwise. Like, you know, that, that perspective of that man babysitting a, stra- a stranger's child, basically, um, might lend a perspective to you that you would have never, ever gained any other way. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so from that perspective, exactly. it's, it's really it's really great. I mean, being present is so great. Um, and I mean, I, I, I still, of course, fall into the trap of it. Like when I'm at work and I've, I've got tunnel vision and I'm cranking towards you know, a particular task or goal or something, I, I lose sight of, of what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. But um, like, like everybody does, but I've definitely made a much more concerted effort to be much more present in the moment. Like, you know, to notice the things that my friends do, um, to notice how couples interact with each other, to notice how people treat their dogs. Um, I, that's a weird one. Um, I went to a dog park and I, you know, left my phone in my car even. Um, and I just watched how, how people, um, interacted with their dogs and, that spawned just a whole a whole train of, of thought for me about you know how interesting it was that that this animal that was once akin to a wolf has been domesticated so quickly by by humans and how close our relationship is with our pets um, and and how 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 much joy pets can bring to our lives. I mean, I'm babysitting or I'm dog sitting a, a, a huge dog with crystal right now. And it actually made me more present with the dog. And I know that sounds strange, but you know, dogs live in a very different world than we do. You know, they notice body language. Um, they notice intonation and, 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 and actions and movements in ways that we don't. And to try to put yourself in the mind of a dog to recognize those things, not just in, in, in people, but in dogs, is pretty fascinating. And there's also this, um, idea we have, too, where we, when we have our phones, we're because of social media, and I think to some degree some of this has faded. I will I will say that that social media's luster to some degree has faded for a lot of people. Uh, but at the same time, when we have our phones, and I'm guilty of this as well, we're it's like we're carrying around a megaphone or a microscope, maybe you know, if we're so concerned with finding things with which we can share that we maybe aren't even noticing the things <laughs> that we're finding to share. Sure. You know, like for example, you said with the dogs, if, if you had your phone with you, your first inclination would probably be to, this dog is awesome. I need to take a photo of it and share this with people. Oh, I know I would have. That's not even a doubt in my mind. So now, <laughs> now you're, you're, you're no longer in the process of petting and enjoying this dog as a person. I mean, as a person, I guess, is a way to say it. But, <laughs> but I mean, that, that is – that was an accident. But it's a Freudian slip there because I, I think that is the difference. When, you're, when you start taking the photo, uh, you're worried about taking that photo. This dog is an object. 
But when you're spending time with this animal, it becomes a person. You know, that's where you, you find the personality of an animal is in the time that you spend with it, not in the photos you take of it. Sure. There was, I, as, as is common for me to say on this podcast, I was listening to, watching, or reading something the other day, and I can't remember what it was. Mm. But I will do my I will do my darndest to find it to share with you guys. I was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about the experience of and this actually this is funny because this is still something in the phone, but the experience of transitioning their little thoughts from things being shared on Twitter to things that they put into their uh, day one app. So instead of all the little things and the little photos and sharing and projecting those to the world, this person was taking all of that energy and putting it into the day one journaling app. So instead of sharing it, he was just saving those things for himself. And I think even that little little bit of a change, a little bit of a shift is a completely different mindset. I've noticed myself doing that more. I don't really tweet very much anymore for those of you, unfortunately, who followed me on Twitter. (laughs) It's it's. It, it, it becomes a point where, you know, like you, like you said, leaving your phone behind, leaving your phone in the car, that seems like this horrible idea, right? Everybody's like, what? He did what? But it's because sometimes we have to break those things. We have to break those little little addictions, those little patterns to be in our lives. You can't be a creative person if you're not present in your life because then you have you have no human experience to share. It, and the, it's it's funny. It, it, it even makes the. I remember when I went to the dog beach, um, and I left my phone. I, I I even enjoyed a tuna sandwich better. <laughs> I know that that sounds strange, but you know I didn't have the impulse to because I got the sandwich from this tiny little shack on the side of this um, on the side of this beach, and it was it was famous. Apparently, it's it's. I didn't know at the time that it was this huge thing, um, but apparently this place is pretty famous, and they they make some pretty pretty great stuff and the sandwich i got back was beautiful um you know it had sriracha in it had coleslaw i mean all these cool things like something you wouldn't expect from a tuna sandwich and my first immediate thought was i need to take a picture of this until i realized oh wait i can't take a picture of this and so i I started to you know kind of go through the sandwich with my hands and fingers and just to look at all of the, the 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 ingredients that that made the sandwich such a piece of amazing artwork and and i feel like in that moment i i enjoyed the sandwich better because of that i i don't think that's silly at all because i think it when it comes down to it it's just basic basically the way our brains work right when we're thinking about the thing the next thing to take a photo of the next thing to to collect the way to that we're going to instagram that the way we're going to do this uh what we're doing is we're using our working memory right so we're we're, we're building up this cue in our working memory, and for those who are unfamiliar, what working memory is? Memory, working memory is whatever your brain is doing in in the moment, or will be doing very soon. It's not pulling stuff from back storage. You know, it's not pulling memories. So it's it's like the RAM on your computer, essentially. Mm. So you're using your working memory, and when you're using your working memory, it's it's filling that up, like I said, with a cue. But your working memory is also what you use to experience things. It's what you use to taste. It's what you use to smell. It's what you, I mean, those things are happening, but it's how you process those things. So if you are filling your, I feel like there's a magic in having them all happen at the same time too. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, it's okay. 
We're all, I think we're too polite on this show. We should interrupt each other more. <laughs> I, I, when you have all of those things, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Your brain doesn't have the processing power to taste that sandwich 100% anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the processing power to hear that peripheral sound. Uh, you know, like they say, dogs have so much better um, smell than than people do. But if you walked around and you actually breathe through your nose and paid attention to the smells that are coming into your nose, you'll realize that a lot of that is because we don't pay attention to our sense of smell at all. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the actual abilities of our nose. You know, there is there's a, a certain top tier part of that that's definitely a difference in anatomy where the you know the dogs have more smell but uh, smell buds whatever you want <laughs> to call them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't actually I, I'm like I don't actually know what the word for that is, but they they have more um anatomy uh for smelling or better anatomy for smelling smelling. My words are all over the place. Well, I like smell buds. But, that's that's a good one. We're keeping that. Smell, and then we'll call this episode "Smell Buds." No, I'm I just was kidding. Just gonna say that. <laughs> um, but the, 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 a lot of that is dogs aren't paying attention to anything else except for what's coming into their nose. So they notice that whiff of something coming around the corner that maybe we have the anatomy to sense as well, but we're busy. A lot of times, we're just busy paying attention to our sight. Mm. Um, it has nothing even to do with phones. You know, for humans, sight is probably our number one. That's why I think when, uh, now this is just me guessing, I'm obviously not an expert on this, but I think that's why uh, when people lose their vision, they become like super uh, smellers and their sense of hearing is like radar. It's because those things were always there, but because we were paying attention to our sight, those things kind of moved onto the back burner in our consciousness. Mm -hmm. So... Going on a long tangent, basically, yes, absolutely. I think that tasting can increase as you as you decrease that working memory. And actually, there's a we've talked about this podcast before. I think very recently, Song Exploder. There's an episode that I just listened to recently with Stephen Merritt from the Magnetic Fields, mm. and it's it's worth listening to. Number one, it, it totally fits into the whole creativity thing here. Any episode of Song Exploder does. But he talks about how he writes songs. And one of the things he talks about is he goes into busy bars that play loud disco music, and that's where he writes his songs. And I, I don't remember what his reasoning for that was. But he talks about this idea of all he does is write down the words. So there's all this music playing around him that's just flooding him. And all he's doing is writing writing the words. And he only has a few cocktails because then he kind of loses the, the the ability to write out, obviously. He says, but then the next day he goes back and he says, for the, for the most part, he remembers the melodies because he's writing melodies of these things, but he's in no way making notations mm. of these melodies. And he said something that I thought was very interesting and I think applies specifically to what we're talking about here is this idea of we're always trying to capture everything, but maybe we don't need to capture everything. Maybe we just need to digest things and let the good things surface. So for him, he says, if I sit down and I have the music and I forgot the melody, he's like, then it wasn't a good melody. Because if he can't remember it, then the people who listen to the song won't remember it either. Sure. So and I think that that idea of taking notes and stuff like that and sharing things is also part of that, too, where, you know, maybe 
specifically this maybe applies more to Twitter or things like that. Maybe that, that thought, that little quirky thing that you were going to share in that second, maybe it's not that good. Maybe you should sit on it for a couple hours. And if you remember then in a couple hours, then maybe then it's worth it. You know, there's just these little differences of thought. I think that's what your challenge to me really introduced the idea of, of, of reimagining the way that we experience everything. Yeah, completely. And I think that's one of the things that, like I said, I mean, it, it, I didn't intend that to be the 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 effect. Um, but you know, that's that's the nice thing about doing experiments like that is you you often get benefits you don't anticipate. And one of the things that it definitely made me very clearly aware of is how not present I was in most of my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I so I guess if I'm if I'm going to take anything useful out of that um, and give anything useful to to the, the listeners of our podcast, I will say this. I mean, try to challenge yourself to do that. Um, you know, look at your phone. Have have a dead zone in, in your phone time. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, like answer whatever critical text messages or, or phone calls from people that you have to. But beyond that, try to leave your phone in your pocket for hours at a time and see what happens. You know, on, on the rare occasion, be in a situation where you don't need your phone at all. You know, like I, I, I forget because we've lived in a world where phones have been ubiquitous for so long. But you know, for most of my 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 childhood and my teen years, like we didn't have cell phones in our pockets. So you know, uh, we rode our bikes around, we went to the beach, we went, we did all kinds of stuff, and we didn't have this little device that kept us tethered to the world. So there's there's something to be said for untethering yourself. I mean, and a lot of people talk about this, and even we've talked about this, but. And, and it's not to say that I'm, I'm afraid of technology or I, I think phones are a bad thing. Uh, on the contrary, I think they're fantastic tools and I think they're, they're great for a lot of things. But um, I definitely do think that one thing that it stops us from doing is using the tools that we already have, you know, using our ability to, to understand and, and, and take in the world in a much more present way. So, you know, that's, so let's, let's issue a new challenge. Um, the new challenge is this. Um, for at least two pockets a day, leave your phone in your pocket for at least three hours and see what happens. You, you mean when you say at least two pockets, you mean two spans of time, two spans of time. So with that's how I'm doing it. So for example, between, um, 11 and four, you don't touch your phone. And then from six to nine, you don't touch your phone at all. We'll call it the keep it in the pocket challenge. Keep it in the pocket. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. Unless you have something that, that, that is urgent coming in, like a phone call from a relative, whatever it may be, then yeah, by all means, answer your phone. But if you don't need to, don't touch it and see what happens. Just try that. Actually, just try that for a day and then extend that to a week and then extend that to two weeks and so on and so forth. Don't just go cold turkey. <laughs> um, do it in such a way that it's realistic for you to maintain it over a period of time. Um, and even if you are going to continuously do it for a number of weeks, take it a day at a time so that it doesn't seem as daunting. Um, doing challenges like that where you're stepping outside of your comfort zone is all about small victories. And those small victories will make it so that the task in the long run or the challenge in the long run does not seem nearly as daunting. But yeah, um, I've been doing that lately, so I challenge all of you to do that as well. Um, keep your phones in your pockets for two separate pockets of time throughout the course of a day for you know three hours at a time. See what happens. And we will make this a mental challenge. I will not plug a hashtag for this because I don't want you pulling your phone out of your pocket to tell us <laughs> that you're keeping your phone in your pocket. That is the definition <laughs> that is the definition of irony right there. 
but yeah, I mean, uh, e- even though that's the case, please, uh, please share with us your experiences um, and, and let us know the things you, you think or see or smell or taste or touch or hear because your phone's in your pocket and not in your hand. And why don't you tell us about your other challenge? Because I think they, the two of them kind of go hand in hand, really. This was the low-tech challenge, right? Yeah, such a different challenge, though. Um, no, it's the Happy 30 challenge. Um, the, the Oh, that's right. I'm the, sorry. Yeah, the, the first one was the low-tech. second one was the Happy 30. Um, so Happy 30, um, this was the one where I challenged uh, everyone to, you know, 30 minutes before you sleep, put your phone away, listen to music, do something. Um, do something that isn't uh, related to technology and see what happens. Um, wow, that was weird. Um, I will say that I broke it a few times because um, when you're lying there in the dark by yourself and you don't really feel like reading a book and you can't really watch something on TV, you get kind of bored. Um, So it kind of forces you to do weird stuff like listen to crickets or pay attention to, um, you know, cars driving outside. Um, It even led me to taking walks at random uh, every so often at night too as well. So the one thing that I will say that is the the hilarious benefit from that challenge that I didn't expect is how bored it made me and how much it forced me to actually go and do something. Like, you know, go downstairs and, and craft a weird sandwich or, or you know, um, I don't know, make make some popsicle stick sculptures. Um, it was it, play with playing cards. I, I started doing card tricks again for no reason. Um so the one thing that it really taught me, which is another completely random benefit that I would have never uh, thought of um, otherwise, is I, f- I don't realize how occupied my brain is, I, how many things I've given my brain to occupy itself with in order for myself to kill my own imagination. Um, you know, because if the phone's there, um, if, 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 if some task is there, then my brain's now occupied. It doesn't have, it doesn't have the need to, to be creative. It doesn't have the need to, to, to be, to be, um, interested in something. And I think that doing the, the happy 30 challenge really made it so that I had no other choice, but to find something to interest my brain. And in the long run, it made it so that I watched a, a, a documentary I would have never seen. Um, I noticed two construction projects by my house that are fascinating that I'm going to go by and shoot with a camera. I mean, it, it, I wrote song lyrics. <laughs> um, and it made me do all kinds of, of really cool stuff that I would never have thought otherwise. So um, the, the for all of you out there, the, the, the takeaway is don't be afraid of being bored if that boredom leads you to opening up your imagination. Because it's not that you're really bored. You're just stopping yourself from doing the tasks that keep you occupied, um, the tasks that you've trained yourself to occupy yourself with in order to make yourself feel productive. Sometimes the most productive thing you can do is to allow your imagination to be as free as it needs to be to allow it to open up a little bit more. Yeah, Neil Gaiman has is famously in that blog that he wrote uh, espoused the power of boredom for creativity and i think it's absolutely true um that i don't know if you remember the slam i did that uh midnight to midnight uh turned my phone off completely oh yeah for a whole day yeah 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 mm-hmm. actually it was all technology i turned off my computer my ipad my phone didn't even turn on the tv for 24 hours and you're exactly right it changes your dynamic completely I didn't know what to do with myself at first. Yeah, right. I, I remember just like, what do I do? And I mean, I'm in a room that you guys can't see my room, but I have shelves of probably 
over 200 books and some of our art books. And I'm surrounded by things to do. But because, uh, you know, we get used to this idea of something to do as being a passive activity, you know, where things are thrown at us, this program, this tweet, this image, all of these things, these videos, all of this is coming at us. We're not used to the idea of having to look for something. And that changes your dynamic completely with the world. And, and it's definitely doing it for 24 hours is extreme. I don't think a lot of people could do it. Um, but I w- I'll go back to your, I think in a way this is very much related to your, in your pocket challenge. Because when you do either of these things, you're going to do exactly what Lamb's talking about there. You're going to have to find something to do. Yeah. <laughs> and And what I discovered too when I was doing that is, oh my God. I waste so much time playing stupid games on my phone. You know, like I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I just pull these games out and I play for, you know, five, ten minutes. I probably pull them out and I play them for over an hour sure. because I'm watching something. I'm doing air quotes right now. I'm watching something on Netflix. I'm not really watching that either. So I'm doing two things that I'm not fully present to. That's another thing, too. When we multitask, we, we're not even present to the things that we're doing, whether they're in our phone or not. So what I found myself having to do is think of, oh, well, I guess I could do this. I could do this. And then all of a sudden I realized all of this time that I had that I didn't think I had. So I had this painting. You know, I've, I've probably mentioned on here before that I do self-portraits, paintings. I only do one a year. And it usually takes me a whole year to paint it because I don't paint it very often. Um And that's not out of laziness. It's just the way that I experience the photos. I like to have it be something that occurs over time. But what I found on that day was I sat down and I'm like, I could do a little bit of writing. I wrote for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And then I sat and I painted for probably a good three hours. Then I read for an hour and then I went back to writing for another hour. And I did, I did about as much creative work in that one day, which by the way, felt relaxing. I didn't feel rushed in any way. I did as much work in that creative day as I would do in a whole week or maybe a month. Jeez. And it, that that shows you all these – so maybe a, an important – I would say maybe a challenge for you guys to – if I'm going to put out a challenge, which I haven't done before, is don't go find an app to do this. Just do it in your head or do it on a piece of paper. I don't want to complicate things by having you guys spend two hours looking for the perfect app to do this because we do that. Keep track of how long you're actually doing things. When you sit down to play, I'm going to sound like an old man because I don't think anybody plays Angry Birds anymore. But when you sit down to play some game on your phone or when you sit down to read some stuff on Facebook, write down the time you sat down. And then when you finally close that app, write down the time you finished. And just pay attention to how much time you're actually eating away with everything. Anything, even I want you to even just pay attention to how long you eat dinner. And when you see, I think you're going to start seeing some things are going to blow your mind. Like, oh, wow, I spend more time reading stuff that makes me angry on Facebook than I do eating my dinner. I totally do that. (laughs) So that's that's my challenge is a track yourself challenge. Oh man, there's such a power to boredom though. I mean, there's so many, so many things you, you discover. Um, like, you know, I, I, 
I learned how to tie knots the other night with a shoelace by my bed because I was I was bored and I I, I started to <laughs> you know try try to figure out how to tie knots. Here's here's a fun one. I I've never really understood what the nuances were in different chip flavors. And so I had three different bags of chips with three different flavors, and I lined all three of them up, and I taste tested them very carefully because I was bored. <laughs> and and it's a and it's amazing how much how much detail goes into even crafting the the flavor of a chip. Like I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I I'm sure that everyone at least intuitively or subconsciously understands the difference. But try that sometime. Like you know, try to try to look at something that you take for granted. Um, on a day-to-day basis and try it again. Like, you know, for example, try a cup of coffee and sip it really carefully and try to f- figure out what the different flavors are that make it up. You know, is there a hint of chocolate in it? You know, is there a hint of, of, of pine or, or, or rosemary, whatever it may be? Um, there's there's so much little detail. There's so many tiny little things that we disregard because our, our lives are, are, are so occupied with things. Um you know, the in in the moment of freeing up your brain to be able to see these things with more detail, you realize how much more nuanced the world is, um, and it makes you it makes you not not necessarily appreciate things more, but it makes you appreciate the amount of time people put into something as simple as crafting a barbecue chip. You know what I mean? We as a creative community, not just this podcast, but the creative community of the world as a whole talk a lot about the the power of the child's mind especially when it comes to creative thoughts and why child a uh, child's mind is so powerful is because doing the things that you're talking about are not ridiculous to them that's, <laughs> that's a true. natural yeah. thing for them that that seems like something that that is worth the time something that is valuable and it's it's really just a matter of of reprioritizing what is important so maybe doing those things seems ridiculous, but not why experiencing something would ever be thought of as ridiculous is baffling. And when you really start to think about it, you understand that we carry around these just mind-boggling beliefs about the world. And we wonder why so many times we're miserable. It's because we limit ourselves to only miserable experiences. <laughs> yeah, we've chosen that. Yeah, sure. Yes, we're building prisons for ourselves. Nobody else is doing it to us. You know, we complain about um, social media, but we all know deep down inside that social media is not the problem. It's ourselves. It's how we deal with those things and our own weaknesses that make us susceptible to those uh, addictions. This is all all about how we use our brains. And this, I mean, this is the, the core of creativity. Going through an experience like that just checking out the taste of not even checking out to analyze the taste of chips. If you're a short story writer, you may have just found, I mean, think about stand by me. How does stand by me start? It starts with the pie eating contest. Yeah, sure. And it's a famous, famous scene. Well, if Stephen King had never gone to a pie eating contest and never paid attention while he was at a pie eating contest, he couldn't have started that story, not the way that he started it, because he wouldn't have that knowledge. Now Lamb has the ability to start a story or to use that at some point in the story about tasting potato chips. <laughs> so that might seem silly, but you're you're collecting things that are useful to you as a creative person. Sure. But they're also useful to you as a living human being. And uh, we have to get rid of that idea that things are silly or childish because the best thing that we could all be is children. 
because you know in children with children wars end when the day when the lights go off you know when the sun goes down the wars end for them sure i mean it's it it, it you know you've talked about this in previous episodes too but there's there's something to be said for for going out and having experiences and this is not to say you know you don't have to do anything crazy like um, you know, Chad did and leaving the, the state for five days or, or, or anything elaborate. It's experiences are about experiencing what a, a caterpillar must feel like when it finally becomes a butterfly. Like, oh, this is who I am. That must be what it feels like sure. if they if they have an emotional state, that is. But yeah. you when you when you actually start to do these things, you start to express yourself all of that other stuff goes away because all of that stuff was coming from that lack that you were feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, why we always bug you guys about this stuff, why we always say you, you can find time, you can make time. Because once you let go of that belief that something is impossible, that there's no way I can do that, and all you focus on is that possibility and, and your abilities – it changes your feelings about yourself and about everyone around you. Changes the world. Oh, it changes. Yeah, it changes your perception of reality. <laughs> you know, the, the all it, it makes so many things more possible. It makes it makes you feel like like there's nothing in your life that you can't really achieve. You know, like I, I remember at the time when I was doing the hockey stuff. You know, I, I I also owned a coffee shop at that time, and the things that I I would attempt with the coffee shop had such a boldness to them that I don't think I would have had if I hadn't had that mentality going into, you know, um, something like something as specific as hockey. Um, but beyond that too, I was also much more creative and the creative stuff that I did was far braver (laughs) at that point in my life than, than it's ever been. Actually, it was some of my best writing was written during that time. So, you know, there's, there's no process to it. It's even in something that simple. And even in those tiny little moments that we, we take for granted on a day to day basis, there's interesting experiences to pull from all of them. Um, there's, there's a, there's an interesting, there's, there's, there's a narrative interest that, that goes along with each of these experiences that are always present if we're willing to open up our, our, our eyes and ears and, and, and pay attention to what's going on. I mean, there is no, there is no creativity without experience. It's that simple. Sure. Because the purpose, the purpose of creating things is to share an experience, to share your perception of an experience. That's the whole purpose. Um, you know, that's what painting is. Why, why did why did Van Gogh uh, paint the way he did? Because he didn't want to show you the cornfield. He wanted to show you the cornfield the way he was seeing it, the way he was experiencing it. And if he wasn't conscious to the fact that uh, the starry night sky in his mind was swirling, that there was a feeling of swirling in it, we wouldn't have starry night. We would just have a personal relationships and communication as well. You know, like you've got to build that momentum. You'd be surprised at how amazing some of your friendships or relationships can be if you if you are brave with them, if you're brave inside of them, if you're brave with the other person, and and you together can. Be. <laughs> um, but I want to make sure I want to make sure that we we nail these two questions since they've been sitting on the back burner for a long time. I am I'm going to jump to the second one because. So on my website, I had Matteo Massiello leave me a question, and he was he was referring to when we were talking about this idea. These I believe um, I realized afterwards that he may be asking me a question about fiction, 
and not about life. Um, so, Mateo, if you're listening and we answer your question wrong, let me know and we'll do the other way as well. But his question is, how do you know the best way to tell your story? And I believe what he's referring to is the idea that, you know, we tell these stories to ourselves. He's, he makes a reference earlier to getting over his bad self. You know, we have these stories that we tell ourselves that maybe aren't the best stories that don't really lead us to down progressive paths in our lives. So how do we know the best way to tell our story? He may be talking about the story that you're writing for fiction, but we're not going to answer that today. So, Lamb, you want to start? Um, I know you had some thoughts on that when we first saw this question. Um, my thoughts on it have changed dramatically since the time I originally saw the question, and it's based on, on two pieces of incredible um, artistry that I've seen since. Um, the first one is the, the, the documentary that I recommended to you yesterday. Um, it's called Faces, Places. Um, at least that's the horrible American translation of it. Um, <laughs> it, it it's, it's horrifying. Um, it, it, the, the French version, the, the French version of the name, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Um, but basically, Visage Village. Yeah. I, I, it, there's a cool French nuance to that that I'm not even going to attempt. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing documentary by a fantastic Belgian uh, filmmaker um, that I highly recommend anyone. Basically, um, she enlists the help of a street perform or uh, installation artist slash photographer, um, this French guy, um, and they travel the French countryside um, in a giant van made up to look like a huge camera um, that prints enormous prints um, out of the side of the van. 21 of Song of Myself. I am the poet of the body. I am the poet of the soul. The pleasures of heaven are with me, and the pains of hell are with me. The first, I graft and increase upon myself. The latter, I translate into a new tongue. And I think that uh, that's exactly what we're talking about with this, you know, the, especially the, the, the first thing, which he's, he's referring to the pleasures of heaven that are with him, the, the good things, the, the gratitude, all of these things that we talk about on here. He grafts those onto himself and he increases them. So, that, I mean, there's a lot in there. First of all, he's grafting it onto himself. So he's, he's acknowledging that these things exist outside of himself. So he's bringing them onto his own body. He's bringing them onto his own soul. He is the poet of the soul and the poet of the body. He's bringing it into both. And then he's increasing it. I, I, I think I've mentioned before that happiness is you have to think of them kind of actually I said in the introduction when I was goofing around it, happiness is like seeds and you have to water them and then happiness grows so you, you when you acknowledge gratitude in your life you see a small thing and you acknowledge it it grows so that the next day you have a little bit more to be grateful for a little more to be grateful for so you take the good things and you, you graft those onto yourself you take them into yourself onto yourself and you increase them. And then the pains of hell, you, you translate those into a new tongue. So you take the pain and you make it something new. And that right there is probably the purest definition of creativity that I've ever seen. You take the pain and you transform it. Yeah, that's you, pretty amazing. I like that line a lot. It's, I think that section is probably one of the more 
known sections from that poem, but with sure. with reason for sure. So, what what we can do, whether we are poets of the body and poets of the soul, we can live our life that way. We can live our creative life. We can live our personal life that way. We can graft things onto ourselves and we can increase them. And we can translate the pain into a new tongue. We can write something new. We can paint something new. We can have a conversation with somebody new, create a new relationship. This is, I mean, to me, this whole thing is, it's about possibility. Sure. What are the possibilities in our life and how are we approaching them? Because I think a lot of us just piss on them, to be honest. Oh, of course. Sure, sure. We well, don't water and, them. And I think a lot of it is, and a lot of it is, is, is a mentality that we're, uh, I mean, we talk about being young all the time. We talk about being children all the time, but I think it's, it's, it, it stands to, it's important enough that we should probably just say it every episode, <laughs> which is you, 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 you can't let age kill your wonder for the world. You know, you can't let, let time take away your, your cloud, your, your, your happiness. You can't, you can't let it, you can't let it do that to you. You know, if anything, the, 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 the most amazing people, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody has a person like this in their family, but they've got an aunt or an uncle or a person that they know who is, who is older but vibrant and, and, and excited and happy and wise and, and, and armed to the teeth with tools to create and, and, and build relationships that you wish you had. I, every single person knows someone like that. And I think that if I'm going to be anything, I, I want to be some version of that as I, I, I grow up. I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be jaded. I want, I want to be exuberant and, and excited and, and full of wonder for the world. And I don't think that, that, I don't think that I, I express that enough to the people I care about. I mean, I, I feel it in myself and I, I try as much as I can to be as present with it as possible. But, you know, like that, that's, uh, like you said in the, the, you know, in the analysis of the poem, that's, you've got to put that in your soul. You have to anchor that to some part of you that never leaves. You know, you have to anchor that to the core of yourself in such a way that, whether or not it's a part of you is no longer a question. And I know that sounds, that, that sounds lofty and almost ambiguous in a way, but it's not, you know, it's, it's that bravery and that sense of wonder is, is not, um, I mean, it's, it's synonymous with happiness when we're talking about what we're, we're describing here, but I mean, it's, it's, you have to find a way to anchor that to your soul. And if you don't, then you're, you're, you're going to live, you, you're going to live without the benefit of wonder. And I know that that sounds odd, but you know, if your world isn't amazing to you, then, then it's depressing to you. Because if, if it's not one thing, it's got to be the other because we're human beings and we're, we're emotional creatures. So in some kind of way, whether it's something that we're conscious of or something that lingers in our subconscious, we view the world or people in a certain way. And instead of letting the world dictate what that is, we should choose what that is. <laughs> we should choose what that perception is. And remember that the reason that children are open to everything that everything seems new and exciting to them is because they don't have a choice because everything is new to them and the thing that is difficult about being older is that we do have a choice 
And that's a difficult responsibility to have a choice. There are things that we have seen that are similar to experiences that we're having now. And it's easy for us to rely on those previous experiences to assume that when somebody's tone of voice is this way, that it is like the, when this other person's tone of voice was that way and that's what they meant. So that's probably what this person means. Um, or when I tried to paint before and this happened, it didn't come out the way I wanted. So therefore I'm kind of feeling that way now. So I should probably just stop because this is not going to work out. So we use these experiences to bracket ourselves or to limit ourselves even. Whereas uh, children, they don't have those things to fall back to. So the only choice that they have is to move forward. Um, children are in some ways brave, but in some ways they are not because they don't have an option but to do what they are doing. And that's not bravery. Bravery is having a road, um, a road diverged and choosing a path and, and having the courage to take that choice. So did we just, did we just head into Robert Frost a little? Sorry. <laughs> a little bit, uh, a little bit. Um, I was wondering if you did, I was wondering if you did that on purpose. <laughs> it's just, every time I talk about roads being split, the word diverge comes up and that is because of Robert Frost. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Uh, it's kind of like course, talking about an apple and, and not, uh, in some way thinking of Adam and Eve's the story of Adam and Eve. You're just sure, kind of stuck with it. But when it comes down to it, the, the problems that we feel as we get older, you know, like Lamb was saying about that, the difficulty of feeling that you're um, too old or that it's too late or all these things. The reason we feel that way is because the, the amount of choices that are available to us have increased. Because with our experience and with our time on this planet... We have learned and seen so many different things that all these choices are out there. You know, wh sure. why is why is uh, In-N-Out Burger successful? Because you have like three choices. That's one of the things they attribute to their success is the simplicity of the menu because we're overwhelmed with choices. And we do live in a world where everything around us is a choice. Actually, think about this for a second. Think about uh, this hit me yesterday, and um, I wanted to share this with somebody. So I guess, you know, you guys are probably the perfect people to share this with. Might as well. Look, <laughs> look around the room. Think of all the things that are vying for your attention right this second. First of all, Lamb and I. Um, you could even separate that. I'm vying for your attention. Lamb's vying for your attention. Two things. Uh, maybe you're getting a notification on your phone. Maybe just the knowledge that your phone's in front of you with an app that you want to dip into, you know, like Instagram. Maybe that's fine for your attention. Maybe there's a car passing by you and you, you know, part of your animal brain has to acknowledge that car's there so that you know that it doesn't run you over. Uh, maybe there's somebody uh, walking next to you that needs to get by. Maybe you have to move your chair for somebody right now. But then also try this. Look everywhere around you, right where you are. How many logos and advertisements can you see where you're sitting right now? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I were to do it right now, it's going to be, I'm going to ignore all of the books that are in my room because otherwise we'll be here counting forever. I can see the Apple logo on my iPad. I can see the limousine sticker on my computer. I can see the JBL 
logo on my uh, little portable speaker. I see the Apple logo on the mouse. I see the Scotch brand on my tape dispenser. I see this logo on my coffee mug. I see the Xbox logo on the Xbox controller on my desk. That's without even turning my head. That's just looking down at my desk. Every one of those things is vying for your attention. That's what logos are made for, right? They're there to remind you of things. And every one of those things vying for your attention is a choice. It is a choice that you have to make on a subconscious level. Do I need to know something about JBL right now? Nope. I had to make that choice, though, didn't I? It sounds silly, but it's true. These are all things that your brain's doing. So you have all of these choices around you. So when somebody asks you to make another choice, when somebody asks you to make a piece of art like we did at the beginning of this episode, <clears throat> when somebody asks you to make a choice about whether to have a conversation with somebody or not, when somebody encroaches upon your already overfilled space with another choice, it feels like an imposition. It feels impossible. So, by acknowledging the presence of all those other choices, you can start to, in some way, weigh them. And what I mean by that is they're not going to go away necessarily. I mean, you could do something which would be awesome, would be try to get as many logos out of your creative space, at least, as you possibly can. You know, have a minimalist creative space where there's not all of these choices being um, vaulted at you all the time. You can put your phone into airplane mode when you're doing something you need to pay attention to. And you can start to limit those things. But what you can do when I say you can start weighing these things is by acknowledging that all these things are around you. And these are minimal, minimal little choices. But when there's thousands of them, they start to weigh a lot. So you can look at it and you go, I have the choice to try sculpture for the first time, something that I've always been fascinated about. Or the first, I, I have the choice of whether to take a ballet class because I've always wondered if I could be a ballerina. Hmm. And then I have all these choices over here. I have the choice of, oh, do I need ink cartridges for my Epson printer? Do I all these other choices. And just by seeing those, you can understand that this one over here, the choice to do something that you've always wanted to do is so much bigger than these all these little ones. And maybe, and this is just me spitballing, but maybe by seeing the difference in the weight of those choices, you can at least prioritize your brain to make the big choice, the important choice, first. And then let whatever energy is left in your brain deal with all the little logo choices and all the phone choices and all those other things. If you can learn to eat the big pieces of the meat first, then you can worry about all the scraps later. That's such a tough, that's such a tough idea to get across to people though. I mean, because it's, it's, it's almost all the things you're describing in the world that, 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 that is, you know, just advertisement laden. It's so ubiquitous that it's just, impossible to avoid so i mean what 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 do you suggest for for people to to i mean sure you can make choices in your own brain but i mean how do you make that choice every single day with every single thing you're looking at I, that's why i'm saying it's not about um 
being able to get rid of it because I don't know that you can unless you are willing to move to an island in Mali or something like that. Um, mm, it's okay. about weighing them. It's about learning to prioritize. It's about learning to deal with the important things first. You know, I've, I think I've mentioned this before. Maybe it was just an article I wrote. When you're, when you're doing your task lists, we'll talk about this in, in terms of productivity, just to take it into something more concrete than abstract of, of creativity. When you're looking at your to-do list, you have put out the garbage. You have changed, you know, changed the filter on the heater. And then you have fixed the hole in the roof because it's going to rain this week. Now, from a logical standpoint, you know that you should probably fix the hole in the roof first because it's bigger and it's more important. And then you can do those other things. Right, it's going to take a lot of mental and physical energy to fix that hole in the roof because you've got to climb up on the roof and you've got to get the right tar paper and you've got to get the right patch and you've got to make sure that it's sealed so that it doesn't continue to leak. So you're going to use up a lot of energy doing that. But taking out the garbage doesn't really require a lot of energy, does it? Especially not a lot of mental energy. And changing the filter on the heater, that's probably a medium, Right. You know, maybe there's a little bit of technical, a slight bit of technical prowess to understand how to make that happen. It's not just as simple as picking up a bag and dropping it into another place. So by looking at that list, you can go, I need the most energy that I have to do this task. And do that task first when your tank is full. And then when you get on to the next one, you, you got the medium one, so you're going to use the one that that requires a little bit less energy, but more energy than the other one, because your tank is a little bit left em- empty. So that even if you come up empty, you can probably muster enough energy to still take out that garbage, can't you? Because it doesn't require much. You can force yourself to do that, and even if you don't end up taking out the garbage, maybe you can live with the consequences of that more easily, too, because it's so minor. But if you did things opposite, if you took out the garbage first, you might find that when you get to number three and it's time to go fix the hole in the roof, you do what we all do and go, oh, I'm too tired. I don't have the time for this. And that's because we're, yeah. we're, we do things in the wrong order. And it's the same with, those, with weighing those, those choices that we have, right? Take care of the important stuff. And I don't mean the important stuff that the world tells you is important. I mean you be an adult and be real with yourself. What is important to you? Do that first. Everything else will fall into place because the thing that requires the most energy is the thing that is the most important to you. And the things that you have to do, you can do without energy because they probably don't matter to you. They're just things you have sure. to do. And and it's the That's same with those choices. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that, I think this is where a lot of it, uh, there's been a trend recently of people talking about the idea of uh, sleeping in a bedroom without a phone in it, um, taking uh, or doing what I said, you know, creating a minimalist um, creative space. The reason that you that you want to shape your environments like this is because it removes those small choices from being mm-hmm. part of the equation for as long as you can. You know, looking at your phone first thing in the morning, which I am guilty, guilty, guilty of, it bombards you with the small choices first. 
and and you have to deal with them. Do I delete this email? Do I archive it? Do I send it to junk mail? Do I reply to it? That's four choices on one email. You just used up a whole bunch of decision-making power in the first four seconds that you've been awake. Think about that. What if the first thing you did is woke up in the morning and said, what would inspire me today? What can I do to change the world today? What can I do to change my life today? What can I do to make today awesome? Whatever it is, what, what can I do to make my children's life amazing today? What if that's the first question you ask yourself? I wow, think that's strange. I, that's, that's an interesting, because I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I look at my phone. That's bad. Oh, we all are. We totally all are. Every person listening to this is. God knows some of the, unfortunately, some people probably picked up their phone and saw that this episode was available and, and we were the imposition. We were the first choice they had to make that day was, do I listen to that now or later? <laughs> and by the way, just a little sidebar for a second. There's a lot of you listening. I know you're not subscribed, but you keep coming back. Just hit the subscribe button. I just want to remind you. I've, I was reading this thing the other day, and they said that people don't remember that you can subscribe to things. So reminding yeah. you, hit subscribe. Get rid of that choice. Then it's already there. You don't have to sure. decide whether to find it or not. But going back to the point, I would like to hear your, your input on some of this, Lam. Oh, man. Um, I mean, you said you have the same problem, but, you, I mean, can you see the possibilities of that weighing thing that I was talking about going back to even before? Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about this long ago on the podcast, and we, we talk about this, this all the time as, as in, you know, offline too as well, um, about just the, the, the how suffocating having too many choices is. Um, you know, how you, I mean, your example of just describing what you see in an email when you wake up in the morning. I mean, your brain is foggy and you're, you've barely kick-started your, 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 your physiology and you're already making decisions about about an email five seconds into waking up <laughs> you know what I mean um, so no I've, I've always been a big proponent of that like I, I do definitely think that we have too many choices and too many things vying for attention in our lives you know you go back to the it's it's fascinating fascinating to me because I, I've never done that before um, you know just sat in my room and looked around and, and, and looked at how many logos I'm staring at on a constant basis you know so that's an interesting experiment I actually think that that's a fantastic thing to for for all of our listeners to, to do is just pick any environment you go into, just randomly do it throughout the day, you know, sit in, sit in a Starbucks and stare around or look around and, and don't just notice the, the packages on the, the food or the coffee or anything like that. But look at all the logos on the stuff that you personally have in your possession and, and, and all the logos you see on other people, you know, whether it's clothing or laptops or phones or whatever it may be. I mean, you're just inundated with it all the time. And every single one of those things is attention and choice, attention and choice, attention and choice, attention and choice. And all of those things are our mental energy that has a cumulative effect on who you are as a person. You know, like even even in the description of what you're talking about with, with the email, I keep going back to that because I do it all the time. Um, you know, the first thing I do is I wake up in the morning and I, I check my work emails. And what a, what a terrible thing to do in the morning. You know, what I probably couldn't pick a worse thing. Um, so that actually, you know, what my thoughts are on it, here's, here's what I'm going to do now. Forget that. It's not going to be the first thing I look at anymore. That's, that seems terrible. So from now on, Chad, this is purely based on what you've said over the last 10 minutes, by the way. Um, I'm going to listen to a song every morning and I'm going to pick the song the night before 
and I'm not going to do anything else um, until the song is over <laughs> in the morning. Um, so, so thank you for that. Like I, I you know, I, we all, regardless of how smart we all think we are as, as these little, these, 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 these overdeveloped apes, I, you know, we, we get a lot of stuff wrong and we're still evolving as, as, as creatures as well. So I need to make sure that I start the day better by not giving myself too many choices, um, and not giving myself too many options. Um, and I feel like that's, that's applicable to a lot of other things, but at the very least, I want to start there and see how differently that, that starts my day. And for those of you out there that are thinking right now, that's nice. You guys can do that. I don't, I can't do that in my life. I have to look at emails. I get up at six every morning and I have to look at emails at six because I need to be running. Well, try this, something that we don't realize plan for the space to not do it so you yeah. have to be running at six how about you go to bed 15 minutes earlier and you wake up at five forty-five, and you give yourself 15 minutes before it's six when you got to look at those emails that's all you have to do 15 and, minutes and by the way for, for for all those people who think they have to look at emails um I, I used to think that too, man. I mean, people used to tell me the same thing. Like, I, I had a job in my previous, my previous, in in my previous employment where um, I was dealing with with three different time zones: um, Vietnam, Helsinki, and the United States. And I used to think, that, you know, I part of the reason I quit that job was because I, I had tricked myself into thinking that every email and every phone call was urgent, regardless of what time of day it came in from whatever part of the world it came in. So I would interrupt so many things in my life to make sure that those things were taken care of. And what a stupid choice that was. You know, so in my, my current job, for example, I, I had a little bit of that in the beginning, but progressively I've been experimenting with, with brain training myself and training other people to understand that there are certain times where I, I am receptive to communication. And, you know, it's not just about waking up 15 minutes earlier. It's not just about giving yourself enough time. It's about training yourself to 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 change just change your brain i mean it's believe me um i felt the same way for a very long time but unless you're a firefighter or a surgeon um your email is really not that important um not to the point where you need to answer it within seconds of receiving it and as long as you train people properly and communicate with them properly to say okay I check my email, email three times a day, guys. I check it at 9 a.m., I check it at um, 11, or 1 p.m., and I check it at 4 p.m. And if you want to reach me outside of that, then call me. Um, but if you want your email to be responded to, it's going to be responded to within those periods of time, those those windows of time. And I've trained myself, which was really hard. By the way, that was much more difficult than training other people. But I trained myself to not look at emails during any other time of day than those specific times, and um, I trained other people to do the same. The other other people actually picked it up much quicker than I did. Um, for myself, it took about a month for me to to to, to just forcibly not look at my phone um, or check my emails during those periods of time or outside of those periods of time and respond to people um, outside of those periods of time. You'd be surprised at how quickly. Um, people react well to that. Um, it's more yourself um, than anything else that stops you from doing it. I've been running my own business for almost three years now. And for two and a half of those years, I've only checked my email twice a day. 
check it in yep. the morning and I check it in in the early evening and it has not destroyed my business <laughs> it has not there is rarely a case where anything is immediate and and a part of that that I learned one of the big lessons I learned not going um, not knowing this going in was it changed the way I communicated with people and in it, it in the way of what I said changed, not in the way that they communicated to me changed. Um, it did, as Lamb said, you know, they get used to, they can work themselves into that. Okay. He replies in about this amount of time. They, they take to that pretty easily, easily, more easily than you think. But mm -hmm. the way that I communicated to people, the way that I asked things to people changed because I was no longer looking for an immediate response. So I was almost, I was extending a latitude to people that no one else probably was extending them, which was to be able to respond at a fairly leisurely pace. You know, I've sent you an email. Well, that means I, I expect you'll probably reply in the next few days. Wow. Usually we're used to, I hope he replies in the next few minutes. If not in the next two hours, I'm going to email him again. Now, mm -hmm. Think of how that changes the dynamic between you and, pe and other people. I mean, uh, you and I see a great example of that right now. We've been using that Twist app for communication on this podcast. And the Twist app is I'll just drop something in there and, you know, Lamb might not reply to it for like three days. I'm not stressing because it's mm -hmm. still going to be there. He's still going to see it and we're still going to be able to talk about it. And if I need something really, really, really urgent, I'll just call him on the phone. And I, yeah. I, other other than for this show, I probably called you on the phone twice ever. Yeah. <laughs> people, people that know me, I don't I don't usually talk on the phone. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on really quickly before I forget, well, going back to logos, something very astonishing to me. Um, for those, well, actually, it'll be all of you don't know this. I bought the Apple AirPods, which, by the way, I love. They, they're fantastic. But here's why I brought it up. This is the first device that I've ever bought that has no logo on it at all. There is no logo. On, I don't know why people haven't mentioned this before. Maybe they haven't. I just haven't seen it. I don't tend to read things on the Internet very much. There's two headphones, and then there's a little case that looks like a dental floss thing. Both of the headphones, no logo. The little dental floss thing, no logo. There's a huge blank space on the front of this where they could have just, you know, engraved in the apple logo right there it's blank on the back in tiny little letters it says designed by apple no logo though and then inside you know it has the the little fcc things and the regulation stuff like that still no logo kind of cool wow one, that's fascinating one less logo Im impeding upon my life i don't know if it was an oversight or a purposeful choice but fascinating oh, right i mean for for something that big, there's no way that's an oversight. <laughs> totally fascinating. That, that, yeah, that's that's good. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty amazing actually. They use the product itself to brand the product, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, that that's that's kind of the thing where it's like, oh, you you know, people have made fun of the way these things look. Oh, the the guy with the Q-tips hanging out of his ears. I know that's Apple. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you do. Well, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it doesn't need job, a job. I look. Yeah. I look forward to. I look forward to that. If that's a inevitable future, I look forward to that future where products are recognized for what they what they are, and they don't need giant logos. That would be sure. great. Um, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So. <laughs>
Yeah, it uh, might why be hundred fifty years from that. Why don't we dip into the um, the last part of these episodes? So what have you been reading, listening to, um, watching that has been inspiring you, Lamb? I'm asking you specifically. But hey, by the way, listeners, you, you know when Lamb and I ask each other questions, you guys can answer them too. You can reply yeah, totally. to us. We actually we would love for you to actually answer them. Um, I uh, let's see here. I watched Ghost in the Shell. Um, the the American remake uh, with Scarlett Johansson as the major, um, and it just renews my thing that I, I always think, which is which is uh, sure the source material was amazing. It was one of the most unique animes in the history of, of anime, but the movie wasn't bad. The movie was actually pretty good, and I found it to mm. be pretty entertaining. And most of the themes that came from the the original um, the original anime were all there, and. I, I I'm 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 annoyed at anyone that doesn't give that movie a chance or any movie like that a chance that that you know um, has such a cult following or such a devoted following is actually probably the better way to say that um, to the original source material that they won't. This on this podcast is saying we've talked about this before, but this is something that we <laughs> have hammered into you guys. Hopefully, to the point where you guys get it. That gratitude is the most important thing that you can bring into your life if you want to make your life better. And so I, I'm, I force myself to think of at least three things, and I make sure that every day that they are three different things than I thought of the day before. And today it's like, I, last night it would definitely be, I am grateful to be back in my own bed. That was one of them. Now today when I when I playing inside of a box of tissue on a little tiny speaker, it's just muffled, huh. but you can get the gist of it. And then taking it out and putting it on a full stereo. Interesting. And, and another problem, too, was back in the day, uh, back in that day, mono was more popular than stereo. So people worked really long and hard on the mono mixes. They would spend weeks and weeks getting the mono mixes because the mono mixes would go onto the records, and records were your main sell, right? Um, but there was a small portion of records that had stereo sound. So they would do a stereo sound, but usually they'd mix the stereo sound in like one day. So it was just a little quick mm. job. So the versions of the Beatles, the version of Sgt. Pepper that we have listened to our whole lives was mixed in a day, and it was all buried because of the recording, um, because of the four-track recording on top of four-track recording. So we've all been listening to inferior versions of these songs our whole lives. And what's incredible to me about that is that says so much about the power of that music that as crappy as that was and how little justice it did to the work that the musicians did in that studio, that they're still considered by most people to be the greatest band that ever existed and that to be the most important album ever recorded. That's pretty powerful. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like the moment that I, I've always wondered, you know, like, why do people care so much about um, certain Jimi Hendrix songs? And uh, was it Stone Free? I can't remember what song it is uh, right now. But I always wonder, I'm like, that's, it's an okay song. Why is that such a big deal? And then all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, oh, this was the first song on his first album. This is the first thing the world ever heard from him. 
They were completely unprepared for this. And then all of a sudden I realized why that song was so important. Because it blew a whole generation's minds. Huh. Yeah, I guess well, the timing of such things is really different too. Like, I mean, when you hear an when you hear a 